0: And welcome to episode 5 of Some Drivel. I'm your host JT and joining me this week we have a really interesting guest, the uh, narrative designer and engagement Actually, what's your full title? Taylor? What's your full title?
1: I, you just you just lied to everyone and called me
0: interesting. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm a narrative designer and a um well, I guess you know, engagement director. It's my official title. But let's just say I'm a narrative designer who runs the Platonic Twitter account. Like, that's the simplest way to say it.
0: You know what? What's so great right now is I've started this and I haven't even said your actual name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, well, <me> neither. <laughs> hey,
0: that's Daily Johnson. Daily yeah. Johnson, say hi.
1: Hello.
0: That's it. Done. Yep, we can cut this me. now. And thank you for listening to some drivel. (laughs) Um, So this, um, I'm I'm so grateful for you giving up your time to appear on the podcast this week. Um, There's obviously with everything going on in the world right now, it's, it's not, it's, I know there's been a lot of conversations around this being a new normal. And one of the things I wanted to address was given the fact that Platonic is still a relatively, despite its pedigree, it's still a very new team. What's been that process for adapting to working from home? What's that been like for you guys?
1: Yeah, well, um, what kind of happened was it was like I, the lockdown happened on a Tuesday, I believe. I think that's right, in the UK anyways. And I just kind of had a weird feeling about everything. And on Monday, I said I said to my team, look, I'm going to work from home because I think, you know, uh, stuff's going to hit the fan. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then literally the a day later, lockdown happened. Um, but the studio had already kind of prepared for this. Like, you know, we kind of had a feeling it might happen. So basically, everyone's... Like equipment got packed away, like PCs and stuff, and everyone was sent home. And we've been working from home since then, and it's actually been really smooth, thankfully. Um, I feel like communication throughout the dev team is just it's it's nice and fluid. We have um, a call once a day,
0: or oh, to kind of check um, in.
1: Yeah, yeah, we do like a daily scrum, and um, just to check in what with what literally everyone is doing. And then we kind of just um, communicate through teams and just have calls when we need to. But honestly, it's it's been really smooth. Um, I think we've adapted to it well, but uh, obviously we miss each other. Yeah, of
0: course. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, That's got to be a huge element too, because your team is, relatively speaking to the wider game industry, it's quite a small team. So I imagine that, just given the nature of the fact that you'd be working in close quarters normally that you've built those relationships over time so that that do you find that that's been one of the trickier elements then is dealing with that separation
1: oh for me it's well yeah i'd say if like personally speaking because i don't know about the other the other guys but yeah like i I feel like we're quite tight as a group i mean there's 30 30 people at platonic and most lunch lunch times we would get together in one of the meeting rooms. I say one off, we only have one meeting room.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> paints a together. really elegant picture by the way. <laughs> well get this week, and... you know guys, meeting room five. Let's just go. <laughs> yeah <in. laughs>
1: Nope just the one and we sit in there and have lunch together and play a social card game called Coup. Um and that was that's like our lunchtime routine. So we're, you know, really sociable with each other and um there's a group of us um who you know often spend time together on weekends as well and we just haven't been able to do that so yeah it, it kind of sucks like I, I i miss them um i even used to just like the commute because i would drive well dean wilson i would get in the car with him and we'd sort of just spend the 40 minutes we head to work like just chatting you know and oh, that's even lovely. just not having that not having that in my days a little bit Rubbish.
0: yeah because that itself uh, <laughs> is kind of yeah that itself is is so I suppose so intrinsic to your routine it's not just when you get there it's because you've built the relationships with each other that it's even outside of work right you wanting to socialize it's that's kind of a good problem that you guys have is that you actually get on yeah which we actually is, like each other <laughs> yeah which I know it seems such an, an odd thing to say but actually that can often be the exception rather than the rule right especially Definitely. especially in, in an industry that is extremely competitive um, and also with t- people working very closely together, um, is that something? Do you think that perhaps speaks to the wider ethos at Platonic? Is that there is this sort of camaraderie, and that's why you guys have have been so successful? Do you think that plays a part?
1: Um, I would say it helps, yeah, because there's there's no like pointless politics or drama within the studio. Like, if I'm right. totally honest, like I, when I when I came into Platonic. Um, I I was shy at first, obviously, Um, but I felt immediately embraced by people. And, you know, um, I don't know, like, and they've been extremely, like, encouraging and they're really collaborative as well. So it's just, it's easy to go to work and enjoy it because there's no kind of, just no Bollocks. (laughs) Bollocks. <laughs> to, put it, to, put it, to put it
0: lightly. No, um, that is absolutely you know. perfect. It, I I actively try and look for a lack of bollocks whenever I go somewhere. <laughs> so that's it's great to hear. Platonic, no bollocks.
1: yeah no, not at all. And you've probably seen they they trust me with the Twitter account. Even sometimes when you know sometimes I'll kind of toe the line a little bit i didn't mean to use the word tour, but we're there we've we've,
0: <laughs> we've it's fine it's already, all right it's, it's five minutes happening. in we've set the bar <laughs> it's all good stuff <laughs>
1: yeah yeah no it's, it's been great um it just definitely i think it just adds to what we do like i said because right. everyone's kind of happy yeah i feel like, like that shows <laughs> yeah and,
0: and i think that does i think that can have a tangible impact on the quality of the work but also just how your quality of life day to day because game development is like life on hard mode right it's so (laughs) it's so it's such a challenging pursuit so um to have been able to eliminate the office politics and the um perhaps the bitchiness that can sometimes come with a creative environment right where everyone is going to be very opinionated oh i've been there (laughs) yeah right i mean do you feel then because obviously you've you've said and i'm gonna i'm going to get this right Narrative designer and in, engagement designer, human. <laughs>
1: but yeah, like I said, it's easier to just um, say narrative designer and Twitter person.
0: Twitter lady. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes. But that's the thing though, that that I say that not as an in, uh, to do what you do as an injustice, because if anything, the fact that your role encompasses so much fascinates me. You know, you're not just social media. You're not just narrative designer. You're having to combine these elements. And that, yeah. you know one of those things would be enough right for most people so
1: definitely the
0: fact that you're able to you know is that did you start doing one over the other and then the role has evolved or is it always from day one this is what you're doing
1: yeah so i'm I'm worried that i'm gonna ramble here but i'll just i'll just go for it so the podcast is literally
0: called some dribble
1: (laughs) (laughs) i started out at platonic as the engagement director so i was solely there to Market and to run the social media accounts, basically anything that was like marketing, PR, all of that stuff like the writing the web articles, handling the YouTube stuff all of that was me. Um, and you know, I came in at a time where Impossible Lair was being developed but on the way. Um, right. like when I came in, it was you know, it was in a playable state and stuff. And I, I was super excited because I was like, oh my god, it's it's, it's literally like it's it's kind of like a Donkey Kong Country game, yeah. I need to work here. <laughs> I, saw the, I saw the game before they'd even hired me because they they brought me in to speak to me and showed me the project, and I was like,
0: "Oh God, I I need this." What do I sign? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I absolutely need this. Um, I remember in my in my kind of like I don't want to say interview because it's more of a chat with Gav, the uh, studio head. Like we ended up opening this website called DKC Atlas, which is basically like <laughs> it's just like it's got all the levels from DKC 1 2 and 3 like mapped out and you can just like scroll along it and like look at all the sprites and stuff like that and we How just did I not know that this exists? There. How did I Our not DKC know this is Atlas a thing? DKC is is it is a holy grail of like Donkey Kong country stuff and That's if you haven't so also cool. seen the cutting room floor that is another really good one cuz it's got lots of unused DKC sprites and the first yes. time I saw some of those, my mind was just like, yeah, I felt man. like, yeah, exactly.
0: Well, this, because that, that era is my era of gaming, N64 era, right? Where it was the kind of the, you know, the Banjo-Kazooie and uh, Conquer, but also looking at like any of those Donkey Kong Country games, they were just incredible. So that era so speaks to my like, yeah. um, my my beginnings in that in that world, in that hobby. <laughs> so that's so interesting then that then for you, you were able to quite literally turn that passion and excitement into something that allowed you to give your all to this job right
1: yeah absolutely i've always said that um i guess when i started out in the games industry i kind of always had this dreamy view of i never want to work on projects that i don't believe in you know like i because i feel like i'd do a bad job if i didn't really believe what i was saying like when i was like promoting stuff i don't like i have to believe what i'm saying otherwise it's gonna be obvious that's that's what i feel like anyway like i'm a rubbish liar like daily did you (laughs) did you steal the cookie and if I did, I'm going to go bright red, you know? <laughs> right,
0: right. Why have you changed shade? <laughs> like, why, why does this happen? So, okay, that's interesting then, because I agree. I think I don't know if I would be capable of putting my voice and opinion behind something that was false. Like, if I was just saying things because that's the right thing I should be saying, as opposed to actually believing what I'm pitching and what I'm trying to get people to be excited about. So that that's an interesting metric for you that you so need to believe in the product that you're representing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I, I couldn't do it without it. I think I'd get miserable.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you find that it could be that kind of kind of soul-sapping thing that if yes. you just if it's just not something that lights a fire, you don't want to give your energy to that.
1: Yeah, I've done soul-sapping because there was a time when I was between jobs where I was doing social media management for like a law firm
2: (laughs) right (laughs) that
1: was the most boring (laughs) thing i was just i was just you know get it done that's it do what i need to do like move on don't think about it anymore whereas with like my work for platonic um it's way more than that. Like, it's it's like my passion and I'm definitely thinking about it when I'm not working. <laughs>
2: so.
0: Right, and that, that often is the tell, isn't it? That that's yeah. the, if you, if that's the place you're in where you kind of, even though you're maybe off the clock, right? You finished your hours, but that you, you still can't help but be excited about what you know is coming. Because of course you'll have an insight into plans for when announcements are happening and, and that whole process. So, mm. that's, it's so it must be so exciting too to just be a fan of it and then also be a part in shaping it
1: yeah that was a bit mad yeah well took me a while to um i guess accept <laughs> and, and get used to it um
2: because
1: right. the thing is i'd already worked at bear as well and that in itself was surreal as well um there was, there's certain developers from rare who like if i saw them in a corridor even like a year in I saw them in the corridor i'd try and hide because i didn't know how to deal with <laughs>
2: <laughs> being blown
1: away by them like i'm not gonna there's one developer specifically at rare um like an old school one like i i can't look him in the eyes because like i'm so starstruck by him still to this day if i saw him i'd get the fear and completely freeze you know
0: guess... <laughs> does it or well, you just become like a skeleton did um yeah. does he know this
1: um, he's probably seen me react to him. <laughs>
0: oh okay right okay. So she he's gone oh it's it's that one.
1: Yeah, oh god, she's weird. <laughs> she's yeah, yeah, she's back. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: so so then as to then kind of switch gears now to your work as a narrative designer. Oh yeah. Go yeah, on. I can
1: explain how that happens. Yes, so, <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't at first but um I've always I've always been like a I've always been creative and I've always been a writer. So so I call myself, you know, before I came into the games industry properly, I was doing like games journalism. I used to write poems and stories when I was a kid, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, it's been like a forever hobby and forever something that I've done and defined myself as. And when Impossible Lair was gearing up and sort of, you know, finishing off, they actually let me, um, (laughs) see how I used the word let? They let me (laughs) play, play with the project a bit and they let me do a little tiny bit of writing, like, the majority of the writing in that game is Andy Robinson. I'm not taking credit away from him. But they let me write the... Uh, so there's tonics in the game, the, the items. They let me name those. They let me write the sort of like flavor text for them. They let me write the level tips. They let me do some edit passes on some dialogue. Oh, um, cool. So that was an opportunity to kind of like show that, hey, this is what I want to do. What a treat. <laughs> yeah, this,
2: what a treat. This is the kind of
1: flair that I have. yeah. Because um, I, I did always... Admittedly, I didn't set out to join the games industry and become a marketer I set out to come in and be a narrative designer (laughs) so right um they they kind of like you know just like encouraged that and sort of gave me a chance to sort of prove that I could do it and wanted to do it um and so when we actually released impossible uh, that's when I kind of I I broached it I I was straight up with um management I said you know this is kind of what I see myself doing and and what I want to do and you know I want to kind of progress into this and i want to be involved in projects in this way as well um because obviously there'll be times where my marketing isn't really needed like high key because we're not gearing up to release anything so in the meantime i can make myself busy doing narrative design so um that's how that happened and Honestly, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to progress. Like, I don't know what my own intent is. Do I, do I continue being these two things at once? Because frankly, I don't know if it's possible to be a great, <laughs> both of those things, but.
0: Hey, uh, man, you seem to be doing a pretty good job so far.
1: Right now though, that's because it's quiet. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but, you know, ultimately I think it is, if I had to choose one, I think it would absolutely be narrative design so because is there... that's where my real heart is. It's, right. It's there.
0: And obviously that, that, is informed by your own creativity right so mm-hmm. if do you think then if there was that fork in the road you would likely lean that way
1: 100% i would yeah
0: right
1: <laughs> i wouldn't even look at the other fork but um, i <laughs> i've always said sort of no matter how my role progresses at platonic or who else we hire that the platonic twitter account is mine
2: <laughs> right okay yeah nobody
1: else gets the password and i will i no matter what i'm doing i'm always going to run that um because nice. I, I get genuine joy from doing it it's, it's it's sort of a part of my just a part of my day i feel like it's become a part of who i am as well because i'm you know i feel like i get a certain level of, of expression through that and i feel like i've built i'm, I'm continuing to build this really weird community <laughs> <laughs> i really like them you see in the replies now To, to it doesn't matter what we tweet about there's always weirdos in the replies. Embrace it. Talking about feet. <laughs> yeah. And I did that. I, I made that, but I...
0: <laughs> own it. You know? It I, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I, I take full responsibility. I think the for fact that, that,
0: that now, like, it, there's something, you know, a lot of writers will say, like, oh, it's the great privilege is to be able to create something that's truly mine. have put my stamp on something. <laughs> and I'm so glad that your legacy, no matter how far your career, like, <laughs> progresses, or even what you do at Platonic, how far that evolves, you will always have feet on Twitter. <laughs>
1: That is... yeah, it's, that's that's what it is no. put, put that put on your person. cv put person at platonic yeah and there's that other tweet i did um <laughs> kazuri's always pregnant went completely viral and i was just like that was just a dumb thought i had one morning i'd made I'd, I'd literally just i'd messaged some of my friends on discord and said it in there and they found it funny so i thought you know what, i'm gonna tweet it and they were like <laughs> daily no and i was like daily yes
0: <laughs> is that fuel for you if someone says don't
1: yes okay
0: yeah yeah so someone says you shouldn't and you're like but i will
1: yeah yeah there's been a few times where i've trusted someone's judgment on that one where they said daily no this is really a bad idea you shouldn't do that sometimes i'll listen okay
0: Okay. you've given yourself a really good caveat there sometimes (laughs) i might i mean you've helped me so much with my segues here uh so thank you for that (laughs) you spoke to the idea that because this is something you're passionate about uh, you find yourself even in your own spare time thinking about it, especially if it's something like that, like an ongoing gag, or you just you just happen to check your phone and you'll see those replies come in, right? So yeah, it, this is something you're you're excited about even outside of work. So for you then, just you're in yourself, and I don't know whether this maybe has been affected by COVID and the lockdown, but mm. what are your sort of hobbies outside of the industry, or has or has the industry kind of it's kind of one and the same? This is just the world you're in right now.
1: Oh, that's a tricky question. Um, well, I've always loved video games passionately. I, I feel like I didn't really have a choice. Like, I, I played a Super Nintendo when I was like four or something. I remember, I literally remember what my child brain like made of that. The first time I played it or like one of the first times, you know, because my brain was like, you're controlling the cartoons. That's how my kid brain like made sense of what I was seeing. And I, I thought that was really cool. And then I, I fell in love with video games and the rest is history. Um, nice. Nice. It does kind of feel like one in the same, but there was definitely a point in my career where I was like, I need to learn to enjoy video games the way I used to, because I, I noticed I was right. playing video games and looking at them with a really critical eye that I'd only gotten through working in the games industry, because you-, you see behind the curtains so much. Right. Um but I've managed to like reclaim the magic.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> just don't,
1: I just make, I force myself not to think about it like that, you know? Um, and that is a
0: perspective shift because if yeah, definitely. especially as you said, you, you were in the, you were a games journalist before, weren't you done writing? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so that's, I'm a freelance writer myself and that's something that I had to, to get over that hurdle, which was that, okay, these, if I'm playing this game to review it, like I've been sent a review code or something, I need to know that at a certain time of day, I just have to stop so that if I want to then play a game of my own in my own backlog or single player stuff or multiplayer or whatever it may be, I've got to know that my hobby still exists, even though it's a lot of it is related to work.
1: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely.
0: Is that balance tricky for you because you're so immersed in with the work at Playtonic?
2: Mm.
1: I don't think so. I think maybe maybe when we were leading up to the release of Impossible Lair, yes, because I was playing Impossible Lair a lot right um at work because I wanted to be a walking encyclopedia of it. But then but not so much now because I'm not doing that. I'm not, you know, constantly playing Impossible Lair, so right. when I do play a game in my spare time, I don't feel like I've been playing games all day, so it's it's fine.
0: Nice. No, again, it's it is about finding that balance, right, which is yeah. uh, which is great. Um there's something I've always wanted to to address with you actually since since sort of following your work online and obviously the stuff you've done with platonic there's an element to I think what you do online that attracts a certain level of toxicity me uh, yeah <laughs> I don't mean you specifically like as a personal attack I mean but you know what I mean like it's that that yeah. I- that idea of the role that you're in uh, whether it's community manager or handling oh. social media. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it it can often attract a certain toxicity and sometimes like an anger that it it's like someone it's like certain. It's difficult to call them fans because if they were true fans, then they would be respectful of the staff. But like it's it's a tricky topic because I wanted you to speak to this. This is what I wanted to ask you: was how have you mm-hmm. how are you able to navigate for yourself in your own you know mental well-being and your own emotional happiness when you if you if and when you read stuff that is perhaps personally directed at you
1: (sighs) oh um see it rarely happens um i think like so so when you when you like proposed this question to me i initially reacted with a shock because i feel like i don't really get to see much toxicity like I, i feel like i don't Especially not in my current role, especially not my personal Twitter. I, my personal Twitter, I very rarely have someone um, cross the line with me, but if they do, it's over for them very quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you're a hitman. That's yeah, amazing.
1: I, I like to keep them, you know, on their toes. <laughs> and dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, as for the play, yeah, I. It's a tricky one because, like I said, it's something I've rarely come across, but there's, there's certainly been occasions, not just in this role, but other ones where yeah. someone has targeted me, I guess, because of who I am um, and what I do. And I don't know. I don't know where that aggression comes from. I just think people just they see a target and they'll they will try and hit it. Right. Right. Um, I've had people I've I've had death. I've had one death threat. Um which was, you know, a little bit frightening. And I was a lot younger at the time. I've had people trying to get me fired. I've had that one before. I've had that one (laughs) more than once. Um, They'll email my boss and kind of try and, like, build a case against why I'm not suitable for the job and why I should be fired and why I'm a terrible person. Um,
0: That's crazy.
1: It is. (laughs) (laughs) Totally (laughs) back.
0: yeah Um,
1: thankfully um (laughs) thankfully the times that that's happened like my employers have had my back so it happened at rare rare had my back rare are really really supportive about it it's happened once at platonic platonic have had my back too because just some of this stuff is absolutely nonsense that is so refreshing um...
0: to hear that they've that they hear you and they listen because i i've just so many examples online of just utter horror stories of people actually it, the other thing happens right where well, they do lose their jobs and the companies do don't they don't take it with a pinch of salt and and it can affect people so i just think it's 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 all credit to you that you've been able to build that support system but also that you have the <laughs> you have the own you have the own like ability to see it as being back sh- crazy <laughs> and like
1: yes yes um yeah i, I do feel lucky um lucky that uh, my employers supported me as well um yeah. And also I would say it's something that comes with experience as well. Being able to recognize that someone is just being unreasonable um, because it is, it's, I think it's even still like, you know, I I've been doing this for like six years now, even still if someone decides to reach out to attack me, like I'm going to feel it in some way. Like, even if I, you know, rationalize it quite quickly and think this person's being unreasonable and this person's being unkind, there's still going to be a tiny little bit of that that, gets to me sure. like just because you've got that you've got that conscious thought of this person has set out to ruin my day and that's not a nice thought for anyone to have um but yeah basically the way i deal with it is by rationalizing it like right. that also not being afraid to sort of like sanity check with other people so i know plenty of other professionals in my field who are better at the, like <laughs> better at this than i am you know what i mean <laughs> like there's some really really good like community management people um so I'll take it to them as well and say, you know, am I digesting this in the right way? Either right. being out of order, I'll take it to some of my really wise friends. You know, I've got some re- I've got some friends who absolutely keep me sane and stop me setting everything on fire sometimes. <laughs> so I would always say like if 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 there's anyone listening to this who's had that kind of problem, I would say like if you're having doubts like about it, just talk to people that you trust about it and absolutely. then kind of run it by them too. Because I think it's easy to get like wrapped up in your own head. But I feel like any problem like I think there's like a saying or something like a problem shared is a problem halved. And that's absolutely
0: true. You Uh, know, 1000%. Yes. Um, it's, I think also you spoke about rationalizing it, which I think is uh, absolutely the correct approach because for a lot of people, I think that do behave like this online, they're not, they didn't set out to target you. They set out to target someone. Yes. And, And you happen to be the unlucky person in that firing line that day, but they're not, necessarily angry with you that it could be something internalized that they then you're just the you happen to be the excuse yeah, that see, day right but i that, see that but yeah. that's the thing though is having that's all very well and good to have that kind of hindsight rational approach to it but in the moment when you're reading it and if you've had a bad morning you know the uh, cats pooed on your pillow or something like you had like a really crappy start to your day that then it i think it can be easier for that stuff to hit home even if yeah. you know that you should be able to just be removed from it. Um, so I think that's, I think what you said there is really actually really important for people to hear is that despite that you're able to kind of rise above it.
1: Yes. The, the, the only other thing I would say is like when I see things like that happen, so say they're not specifically targeting me, say they replied to a post that we've made and they're being abusive or, they're being antagonistic to other people who are in in the post too, like other community members. And this is like, I feel like for me, the most important thing actually, when I approach community management is if I see someone causing trouble in the comments or in the replies, wherever it is, like, I, there's like an, so like if they're in there just being argumentative, like there's like an 80% chance I'm just going to outright, remove them and like i know this sounds like it sounds like a really heavy hat like really heavy handed like community management tactic but if there's a thing i don't like it's someone coming into like a happy community and trying to rain on someone else's parade you know like i see my duty as protecting that community so if i see someone in causing trouble and Ruining someone's day, I think. Well, no, actually, I don't. I don't want you here at at all because you know you're making one of our fans sad
2: now. Yes. So get out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it is. I think it should be as simple as that. It's it's a case of you know what if what they're bringing, whatever the target is, if it's the targets the developers or a specific person in the comments or or a member of the community, if their contribution isn't actually worth having you know if if what they're saying isn't adding to the conversation and all it's doing is making people upset why would mm-hmm. you want that around why would anyone want to want to pander to that
1: exactly and you know i'll always give people a second chance so say say I, say i ban someone because they're arguing with other people and they might come to say, come to me and say sorry for what i did i won't do it again that would be enough for me right like oh sorry you know I, I was having a rough day like that is that is fine um I think like there's only it's only like extreme cases where I would be like absolutely you are absolutely never <laughs> you are never coming back in <laughs> you know that those are the extreme cases but thankfully I really have not seen many of them um in the platonic community I saw a lot of them in the caes community that was something else something else entirely I think it's calmed down now I think well I don't know I'm not there but um it was like the launch of an online game and so you were getting literally everyone and it was launching on game pass as well which meant you didn't even have to buy it so you're getting so like all types of people flooding in because they want to try this new game and so um, much
0: access to it right
1: yes and the launch was quite bad because the game was struggling to handle the amount of people so you had a lot of angry people um in in one place at the same time and um like (laughs) I've, i've told this story a few times but it got so difficult for the rare community team, like I, which I was in, that um, rare actually had to get in a therapist <laughs> to speak to the community team. Like no we had a group, we had a we had a group therapy session because we were like, I wouldn't say we were having like mental breakdowns, but like definitely everyone in that office cried at least once during like, those few weeks. Jeez. Um, Just like
0: because of the heightened stress and the and heightened stress, it. And
1: constant barrage of like abuse and anger and like demanding demanding like the community the community this was not not our not our employers <laughs> yeah. like you know demanding that things work now and right now and uh sometimes we were like working late hours i remember there was one time like i nearly got tipped over the edge because someone had managed to message me on my personal discord at 2 a.m um and just just launched this barrage of abuse at me and said you know fix your effing game like um wow. do your effing job like i hope you get fired and i was like what <laughs> it's, it's two in the morning <laughs> yeah, yeah. also but, yeah. i can't do my
0: job if i've been fired so screw you exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> so that that was crazy uh, yeah. and that was definitely harder to handle because that was like a big honestly that was one of the things that made me decide i didn't want to work in AAA again
0: i'm so glad you brought this up because i think that I don't think people are aware enough of this. I think, As you say, you have talked about that specifically before, but I don't think the wider gaming community is patient enough or empathetic enough with developers and aren't aware of the human cost. They just see, if a game gets yeah. delayed, they just see... Like, look at what's happened with Naughty Dog recently the way they've been treated not just in the leaks but yeah. their, you know it's it's disgraceful really i know that there's on the other side of that coin there's a lot of conversation about their their crunch culture and the way their um expectations of staff i know that is a separate issue but it's specifically about the way the community treats the teams there's this sort of well you didn't give me the thing i wanted when i wanted it so now i hate you and it's that yeah. it's that sort of in, and it is. I suppose it is. In some ways, it's an expression of passion. They clearly care enough to message you at two in the morning, right? That it it's coming yes. from a place that began as wholesome, but is being expressed in a way that really is in, in no way acceptable.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's. It's just a quantity thing. So like quite it's quite easy to take if if you've got if you've had just like one message two a.m. in the morning but it's it's another case entirely if you've spoken to maybe like 150 or 200 people oh, in a day yeah. which is perfectly feasible for a community manager and like most of those have been angry you get to the end of the day then and you just feel like you feel like rubbish like because you've just non-stop just talked to angry people all day and, yeah like that's not even unique to games i imagine there's people who work in customer service for all kinds of things you get shouted that every day oh good lord i
0: so i used to work for hmv you know the record store oh yeah uh that was my first job actually when i was 19 and i once we our gift card system broke in our store so we were for one day we were unable to accept like people's gift cards um and a guy came in wanting to buy a game I'd just redone, like, all of the shelves. I had, like, an A to Z going on by genre of games. I mean, I did, it was... I'm not going to lie, it was hot. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and this guy came in who wanted to buy a game, couldn't do it because the gift card thing was down, and literally picked up games off the shelf, cracked the cases. These are the like, the £10 games where the disc would still be in there. They'd just be security-wrapped. Oh, no. He would he cracked the case, got the games out, and started, like, frisbee-flinging them at me and my colleague behind the desk, just, like, assaulting us. With like discs that he couldn't buy. And he, he ended up being like escorted out by security. I was like neoing, like dodging like Matrix style, like <laughs> plastic everywhere. It was one of the most mad moments of just forgetting that the person you're talking to is a human being. Yeah, right?
2: absolutely.
0: Um, and of course, context is so important there, right? You don't know what kind of day that guy had. You don't know what's happened just before that, of course. But then mm-hmm. there is that line, I think, that can be drawn where you go, okay, what? no matter what has happened, what is the basic level of acceptable here that you should be adhering yeah. to? Um, and I think that, so to bring this back now to what you said, I think that it's so it's so key that people understand the human cost to that vitriol so for you then is that is it a case of it, it was quantity that was the issue right it was the stuff stacking up throughout the day that would cause that yeah, to kind of yeah. peak right
1: yeah i would say definitely yeah it was the quantity and frequency of it was insane um at the time for the sea of thieves launch i mean yeah that's the most intense that i've ever I've ever seen it <laughs>
0: That's crazy um in happier news Uh, By the way, thank you so much for speaking to that because I know that's not an easy topic to broach and the fact that you're willing to talk so openly about it, uh, I really appreciate. So thank you. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Um, uh, I want to just... We have a a segment on our podcast called The Drivel Bucket where people can submit questions either from Twitter, Facebook, Game On Daily, any of our other websites that we have that are partnered with us. Um, And I want to just... I'm going to read you... I want to read you a message that was sent verbatim just literally what the message said okay so this okay. was this was at cryptic jackknife on twitter okay uh, it was referring to the fact, because by the way, we haven't actually addressed this. We didn't talk about this before we started recording of the photo I picked for oh, the artwork. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I saw the thing you said where it's like, you know, I might forgive him for picking that picture. <laughs> I felt awful. I was like, oh no, what have I done? Um, but what I love is in reference to the photo, there's that specific thing. At Cryptic Jackknife just commented and said, vintage. <laughs> 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 the most...
1: well it is it is it definitely is i think it's just like two years old and i was really right. miserable <laughs>
0: okay, okay vintage daily
1: <laughs> you, you can see it i look so goth i look so sad you... it's because i was
0: <laughs> right okay, okay. so there wasn't there wasn't <laughs> it's because that was the truth that was what was happening <laughs> yeah. um but but then to kind of again to add to that i another and i'm gonna okay I have a, there's also a long running gag of me not being able to pronounce like Twitter handles. People's Twitter handles really don't help a host when they're really complex. So, okay. <laughs> so it's at, wa- at whopper744games says. I know who this is. Oh, you know I who, know this who is? these
1: people are? Yeah. It's
0: fantastic. <laughs> uh, they followed up with nice Sparks pin though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Goodness.
0: Setting the bar.
1: <laughs> yeah. That Sparks pin actually fell off um one time no and i i still have it but i oh. lost the back of it i don't know what happened i think i took a hit so you know i lost sparks
0: this is uh, this is tragic <laughs> this is... <laughs> <laughs> um so okay so one of the uh, a recurring question that came up a lot and it's said, uh, this is another thing i was really wanting to address with you something that Platonic put out i can't remember exactly when but it was something that they put out as a statement regarding banjo kazooie and oh, how yes. they had been a, a just a flurry of rumors. I think because of the next gen announcements. This was well before Xbox kind of announced their slate of stuff that's coming up. This was a, a couple months back. They just uh, this was a concentrated turd of rumors, right? That, just, <laughs> that had happened around Platonic developing another Banjo Kazooie game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dank Memes on Game On Daily asked, "Do you feel a lot of pressure as a community manager dealing with the expectations from fans?" Who were looking for a banjo kazooie game?
1: Um, so I think I know what your statement you're talking about because I wrote it.
0: <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, right. That now makes so, sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so that spawned from. Um, I was just seeing it a lot. Yeah, like there seemed to be a lot of like debate that you know, platonic it making new, new banjo game, and mm. um, I don't know if the right word is pressure. It's it's more that, um, I guess I'm, I'm worried for that community that they. I don't want them to like. I don't want them to get their hopes up and have them let down i don't want us to be attached to that you know like i don't want to be a part of that heartbreak so i thought the best thing to do is to be honest honest and open with them because we can we can be you know like get out in
0: front because you're your own thing right
1: yeah exactly right and like it's because i really want i know what that feels like because i really want a new f-zero game and so if someone (laughs) was like carrot on sticking me with an f-zero game like i just if there's any studios involved with that like i'd be glad if they came forward and just told me the truth you know what i mean so like i don't want us to be like ambiguous and sorry ambiguous and kind of like um ever give off the impression that we're we're hiding something like that because we're not like and i don't i don't want to leave people on um
0: i think that's so uh, that's so lovely to hear because um i know that specifically with f-zero i too would love another game in that series and all those rumors around an f-zero Star Fox crossover did you see that stuff
1: no, I didn't. Yeah.
0: There was all these. It was a whole year of Nintendo Directs where every time they would announce something, <laughs> someone would go. This is the one. It's going to be the. F- it's the F Zero Star Fox game. That's it's the huge crossover that's happening. It's like a racing game in the Star Fox universe, and it obviously, never happens. And it every time it it is that thing. I I totally hear you on that. It kind of it it chips away a bit, right? Because you're just especially if you're so passionate about having this series revived you mm-hmm. it, you can't any possible hope to cling to you will yes. gravitate to that so then of course then all those rumors around platonic and banjo and that i think it was so uh so right for you guys for what you wrote and for what you then did as a studio to kind of get out in front of that i think that was yeah a, a really definitely smart because
1: like i guess as platonic we are like forever attached to banjo right because sure. we launched- ukulele as the the spiritual successor to banjo so i think always naturally people are going to look at us and think maybe um yeah but you know unfortunately no it's not that it's not that like we don't want to that we we were like waving banjo away. like we we would fully open our arms you know to them like i feel like there'd be people at our studio who would cry if they got to work on a banjo (laughs) game
0: you know well i think just the idea of it even existing somewhere right yeah yeah um, exactly it, it has such a it's I mean I know it's it's what well, it's by far my favorite uh platformer from that era without a shred of doubt both of those games but then I say that at the same time knowing that that kind of game doesn't really exist anymore mm. except then ukulele comes along and it is this spiritual successor particularly when you then factor impossible lair into that which kind of speaks to that um dkc era but then is there is there a feeling at platonic that or have you felt this from any of the team or yourself that you're almost like, oh man, is Ukulele not enough? Like, shouldn't this be okay? Do you want your own thing to kind of stand on its own without it always being tied to this other franchise?
1: I would say so. Yes. Um, I feel like we don't so much look at Ukulele lele as trying to fill Banjo and Kazooie's boots anymore. Like I can't speak from like right at the start cause I wasn't there. I've been at Playtime for nearly two years now. Um, but, like, I feel like we do have a genuine love for Yooka and Lele as our own characters, you know? And yeah. um, I think, you know, like, ukulele was our first shot at that. And I think I think the studio did really well, all things considered. Like, they were handling a Kickstarter campaign, which isn't easy. And also, you know, Gavin Price is, like, managing a studio for the first time. And they I think they were learning to use new software, like Unity, and, like, collaborating and... It was a massive task, and I think for what it, for what they did with you know what money they they had as well, which isn't actually a massive game budget. If you look into game budgets, like it's tiny. Like I think they did a fantastic job, but yeah, there is yeah. definitely a desire to um, do way better. And I think we demonstrated that with Impossible Lair as well. I think we we this we we have released a dev- developer commentary series where we talked about. The development of ukulele and and there is a big desire to like iterate and not make the same mistakes with future projects and, you know everything like that so like we're definitely keen to grow and continue to like make better games yeah. <laughs> with with ukulele and and the other characters too um and i
0: think that too what you did with that statement is almost in some ways is saying we hear the legacy we know you guys know us from this series you hold so dear mm-hmm. but um that doesn't necessarily have to negate what you're doing now. And if anything, it's like I I, I actually would completely understand the idea of Platonic never doing anything related to banjo ever again because no, we've this is our new this is our new story. This is our next chapter. Um and I, I that must be a feeling for you guys that you want to feel like you want to you want to push forward
1: definitely but also it's it's not that we don't want to work with banjo like i'd never we i don't think we'd ever say that um sure it's just that the, that the ball isn't in our court you know right. it's not it's not something we can force to happen so like yes yeah, <laughs> you know we're not dismissive uh, of banjo and um i don't think we'd never i don't think we'd ever say never um it's just it's complicated i guess
0: yeah in so many ways <laughs> we, don't, right? we
1: don't have the opportunity so you know we can't just make it happen we can't kidnap him
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hope that's how all game development starts you just kidnap yeah. the character you want to put in it um so uh, at nerd real with nerd and oh god these names at nerd at Nerdenreal. real nerd in real i'm gonna go with nerd in real <laughs> <laughs> like a robot that's malfunctioning um so um if there was going to be another banjo game released in the oh. future by someone else uh yes. what what features would you like to see in the game and why
1: is that a question for me it is oh that's cute <laughs> um what features that i like to see in a new banjo game i will say So say some say if someone else was to work on a Banjo game, Mm. Uh, there wasn't us and it wasn't rare. Who would I want it to be? I'm going to answer that one first, even though I wasn't I wasn't asked. Um...
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, answer your question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would be. I would say Toys for Bob, like i i nice. really i know i know the spyro thing was a remake but i think they did just phenomenal work like they really treated did. that ip with so much love and
0: and like such reverence for it as well
1: and yeah like i'm a huge spyro fan and i have been since i was a child and like <laughs> <laughs> the, the the spyro trilogy the reignited trilogy for me was top just top tier like that 10 is out of how 10. You, that's how you Perfect. do a remaster right so yeah like i i'd put all of my trust in toys for bob to treat banjo with care and that's why like if i had to like vote someone in i'd vote for them uh, because i'm a huge fan of them and everything they do i can't wait to see what they're doing next praise them
0: (laughs) praise them forever yeah yeah.
1: (laughs) praise them forever but what what features i like to see i don't know about features right but like so i i'm a storyteller so like i'll talk about like what kind of story oh yes go for it i'd like to see um like a ban- banjo and kazooie origin story so i'd like to see like a story where banjo finds kazooie as an
0: egg <laughs> this is such a good idea and
1: then, and then like and he like raises her and, and she thinks that banjo's her dad but when she finds out that he isn't that's when she gets all like sweary at him and stuff and that's why they have the relationship that they do like she loves him but she's also mad that he's not her real father I don't know <laughs> Daily, this is
0: such a good idea Toys of Bob if you're listening um, <laughs> freelance contract draw it immediately Oh,
1: yeah I love I love the idea of their kind of like origin story of how they've met um, and and idea. some of the other characters showing up like as, as
0: babies as
1: well <laughs> I'd love <end> that
0: <laughs> but I just immediately went to baby bottles just straight away yeah that's
1: what I thought as well yeah definitely baby bottles like, I think it'd be so
0: cute <laughs> Just oh Mumbo Jumbo as a toddler is one of the greatest images you've given me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it'd be really sweet.
0: Um A Banjo kazooie prequel. Because yeah, everyone talks about like with that series, they talk about 3E, you know, the gag in two E where they were gonna make a third game. Um oh just that's such a great idea. Brilliant. Well I wanna I I wanna do a baby
1: snacker as well. I I wanna see baby snacker the shark like for some reason i just want to see that i want to see him like try and nibble you but fail you know
2: it's just Or maybe
1: maybe he was nice back then (laughs) yeah maybe he wasn't so aggressive and you get to see like what made him sort of linger around beaches (laughs) trying to eat bears
0: you know his downfall (laughs) yeah
1: what happened
0: yeah how did the jolly roger crash that's what i want to know you know answer these questions toys for bob (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's what we need to do is we need to shift the to an imaginary project (laughs) that's not real (laughs) just shift it (laughs) shift it to them um i actually i want to reframe this question specifically for you now uh if there was going to be another f-zero game
1: oh god what
0: features would you like to see and why
1: Oh, am I ready for this question?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I so, can feel a parchment scroll coming out. Like,
1: just... I've, I've like I've like sat up way taller now, like every range I'm sitting because I'm excited <laughs> about it. So like, I really loved Death Race. So I want to see online Death Race. Mm. So like, I don't know, like 40 or 50 real players um, racing around a track and the last person alive wins. Like a
0: Battle Royale <laughs> racer in a way.
1: Exactly. In F-Zero it would be perfect because you can ram into each other and destroy each other. Yes. So I'd love that. Obviously, online play as well. Just, just generally, online play. Mm -hmm. I really would love to see it so that you can make your own F Zero pilot, like with really cool character customization tools, like masks and because they all kind of look like heroes, right? Like superheroes, kind of. Yeah. Um, and then like a central hub where you can walk around and and meet other people online. (laughs) Or
0: like like a social (laughs) space. Oh, yes like, that, that like, could be like a garage couldn't it like a exactly oh, but also cool. a
1: night there'd be like a tap like in my ideal head there would be like a sort of like neon city where you can you can just all hang out together and there's like an s-zero nightclub and you know like a garage and stuff like that um
0: fantastic
1: i really liked building my own machine too i i want that back um
2: <laughs> this is great
1: yeah yeah those are the things that i you know i feel nintendo has said i think like we don't know where to go with a zero but i'm like there is so much stuff you can just do with <laughs> online capabilities just do it nintendo come
0: on i love the idea that give they're...
1: it toys for bob <laughs> <laughs> yeah every,
0: every that poor team they've got yeah. no hope i also really like the idea that you know if nintendo don't know you I, you just are gonna go well i do
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. just
0: launch a flare like i do <laughs> so
1: yeah yeah, I think just online Death Race would be great. The Battle Royale Racer, like, I don't know if that's happened yet, but it would just be, can you imagine how intense that would be watching streams as well? Um, my Oh, partner yeah. Suggested the, well, I was talking to, about this with my partner literally yesterday about, like, a Dream of Zero game, and he sort of came up with the concept of, like, a Death Race, but um, the person in first place has, like, you know, like in Fortnite where the circle is, like, closing around the map? Right. you have that but it's closing around the person who's in first place so eventually you have to be racing like right alongside them to stay in and how that's mental so
0: cool. that would be. That's yeah, so yeah. cool because uh, of course in F-Zero with the you know the panels where you get shields from that could have like a, a consequence if you take that an alternate path you might fall behind you know get because yeah. it, it's a longer route but then you will survive long it's that that there's a really some interesting trade-offs you could do with gameplay there that that's that's so cool that's I 0 Battle Royale that's kind of yeah that's the dream
1: alongside the normal you know game modes and grand prix and stuff like that yes. but like to, to give it that extra kind of thing that nintendo should give it
0: yeah well we know that you know toys for bob are a big team they can handle it um yeah they
1: can that and banjo thank you toys for. Bob. thank you
0: guys that no no <laughs> thank you toys for bob yeah. thank you <laughs> <laughs> um so that about wraps it up for episode oh. five of some drivel my guest mm. this week has been daily johnson daily thank you so so much for talking Uh, to us thank
1: you thank you for thank you for having me It's it's been a lot of fun
0: for our tangent filled drivel um you can find us on twitter at the drivel bucket where we announce our featured guest each and every week you can submit questions to the drivel bucket and we will then address them to our guest every episode you can also find us on facebook at some drivel and on instagram at some drivel as well the podcast goes up on all good podcast services spotify itunes and maybe google Still don't know if it's made it on there. It's it's basically a lie at this point. We have no idea. Um so uh Daly, do you have anything you want to say to the wider ukulele community and platonic community as a kind of sign off?
1: Yeah, um buy ukulele in the impossible there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and support Toys for Bob.
1: <laughs> and support Toys for Bob. Yes, absolutely. Um and just be good. Yep. Behave yourself out there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i love that we can end this with a psa that's so good (laughs) uh ladies and gents thank you so much for listening we will see you next time for some more dribble